Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. to too good to be true thank you for taking the time to listen the subject for today's show is pandemics before we start getting into details let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it we choose a subject then research it and based on that research we determine what we think needs to to be explained by creating a series of questions then justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions the psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. 
We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We're not good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of medical science, epidemiology, or history. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. There have been far too many pandemics over the centuries to talk about more than just a few of them. The coronavirus has not been defined as one yet. The World Health Organization are calling it an outbreak as of this week. What is the definition of a pandemic? We know that it is on a larger scale than an epidemic. The Healthline website quoting the Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, helps out with the terminology. Quote, according to the CDC, there are different levels of disease based on how widespread it is and how often it occurs within a community. The first level is called endemic. This is the amount of disease usually present in a community. The constant presence or usual occurrence of a disease or infectious agent in a population. It is also referred to as the baseline level of a disease. An epidemic is a sudden increase in the number of cases of a disease above the endemic level for that area. However, the term outbreak, although having the same definition as epidemic, is typically when the disease occurs in a relatively small area. Finally, a pandemic is an epidemic that spread over several countries or continents. It usually affects a large number of people, unquote. Several is more than two, but not many. So as of today, the coronavirus is not a pandemic, presumably because the outbreaks across the globe have been localized. But I have to wonder why humankind has evolved with pandemics occurring over and over again. We have come to accept the latest flu virus as the annual pandemic. Maybe we should question why the flu hasn't been eradicated. Let's start with a pandemic that has not been totally eradicated, but the chances of contracting the disease are pretty small, and that is the bubonic plague or the Black Death. Young children gathering and holding hands and then dancing in a circle was pretty common in my youth. They used to chant a nursery rhyme, ring a ring of roses, a pocket full of poses, a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. The ring a ring of roses was the deadly rash of the Black Death, with the rest being pretty obvious. Saying bless you when somebody sneezes apparently is a legacy of the Black Death. So how did the Black Death start? The History Channel website explains how it arrived in Europe. Quote, the Black Death was a devastating global epidemic of bubonic plague that struck Europe and Asia in the mid-1300s. The plague arrived in Europe in October 1347, when 12 ships from the Black Sea docked at the Sicilian port of Messina. People gathered on the docks were met with a horrifying surprise. Most sailors aboard the ships were dead, and those still alive were gravely ill and covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. Sicilian authorities hastily ordered the fleet of death ships out of the harbour, but it was too late. 
Over the next five years, the Black Death would kill more than 20 million people in Europe, almost one third of the continent's population, unquote. I wonder how an infection can be so vicious that it can kill almost a third of the population, but not so vicious that it kills the entire population. The Black Death not only affected humans, it also affected animals. So many sheep died of it, there was a shortage of wool, which was essential for clothing. But don't most pandemics occur from pathogens passing from animals to humans? Yes, that's the belief with the common pathogens, including viruses, bacteria, fungi, and parasites. But viruses and bacteria are the pathogens associated with pandemics. Which type of pathogen caused the Black Death? The Life Science website provides an explanation. Quote, the Black Death was caused by the bacterium Yersinia pestis, the one responsible for current plague outbreaks. This sells the controversy surrounding the causative agent, although we cannot rule out at this stage that there was another co-circulating strain, said study author Hendrik Poinar, a biological anthropologist at McMaster University in Ontario. However, the genetic sequence of the bacteria in the London bodies differed from the sequence of modern versions of white pestis, suggesting that the strain responsible for the Black Death is likely extinct, the researchers said, unquote. Samples were taken from bodies buried in London during the time of the Black Death. The Yersinia bestis bacterium was transmitted by fleas living on rodents, with rats being believed to be the major culprit in the Middle Ages, with rats in large numbers living on ships. The type of bacteria responsible for the Black Death was not identified until the 19th century. Apparently, there had been a previous Black Death pandemic in the 6th century. What happened in the 6th century? The National Geographic website provides a summary. Quote, the Justinian plague struck in the 6th century and is estimated to have killed between 30 and 50 million people, about half the world's population at that time as it spread across Asia, North Africa, Arabia, and Europe, unquote. Justinian was the Byzantine Empire, emperor at the time, that is, of the Roman Empire that had moved from Rome to Constantinople. Constantinople. How did Justinian get na name recognition for the plague? By making matters worse. The Passport Health USA website explains how. Quote, when pestilence swept through the, the whole known world and notably the Roman Empire, wiping out most of the farming community and of necessity leaving a trail of desolation in its wake, Justinian showed no mercy towards the ruined freeholders. Even then he did not refrain from demanding the annual tax, not only the amount of which he assessed each individual, but also the amount for which, he, which his deceased neighbors were liable." Unquote. Otherwise, Justinian pro promoted Christianity while stamping out paganism. Sounds like Justinian should have been conflicted. The next pandemic is the Spanish flu. Did it start in Spain? No, it got its name because it started while World War I was still raging. Wikipedia provides the explanation. Quote, to maintain morale, wartime censors minimized early reports of illness and mortality in Germany United Kingdom, France, and the United States. Papers were free to report the epidemic's effects in neutral Spain, such as the grave illness of King Alfonso XIII. These stories created a false impression of Spain as especially hard hit, 
giving rise to the pandemic's nickname Spanish flu, unquote. Being a type of flu, that, that pathogen must have been a virus. But how deadly was the infection? Extremely deadly, as Wikipedia explains. Quote, the 1918 flu influenza pandemic, January 1918 to December 1920, colloquially known as Spanish flu, was an unusually deadly influence, influenza pandemic, the first of the two pandemics involving H1N1 influenza virus, the second being the swine flu in 2009. It infected 500 million people around the world, or about 27% of the world population of between 1.8 and 1.9 billion, including people on isolated Pacific islands and in the Arctic. The death toll is estimated to have been 40 million to 50 million, and possibly as high as 100 million, making it one of the deadliest epidemics in human history. Historic and epidemiological data are inadequate to identify with certainty the pandemic's geographic origin, unquote. The World, One, World War I death toll is estimated as 20.5 to 22 million, with the Spanish flu being far more deadly. Regarding its origins, Spain seems to be unlikely. What are the theories for where the virus got transmitted to humans? The National Geographic website from an article from 2014 makes a case for China being the origin. Quote, historian Mark Humphreys of Canada's Memorial University of Newfoundland said that newly unearthed records confirm that one of the side, theory, side stories of the war, the mobilization of 96,000 Chinese laborers to work behind the British and French lines on World War I's Western Front, may have been the source of the pandemic, unquote. The trenches on the Western Front were severely affected, including both the Allies and the Central Powers, headed by Germany. You would think it would have been worse for the Allies, at least as f at first, if it started on their side of the line. Maybe capturing an enemy trench was a bad idea from the point of view of transmitting the disease. But is there any other evidence supporting China as the source? I think before we go into that, we have to go into the break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. More and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others, and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker, and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. 
For more information, visit pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. pattyconklin.com. Or call 404-474-0086. That's 404-474-0086. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing the Spanish flu and its possible origin. And, Dad, you were just about to quote from the National Geographic article. Yes, uh, it's from the same article as before. Quote, historian Christopher Langford has shown that China suffered a lower mortality rate from the Spanish flu than other nations did, suggesting some immunity was at large in the population because of earlier exposure to the virus. In the new report, Humphrey finds archival evidence that a respiratory illness that struck northern China in November 1917 was identified a year later by Chinese health officials as identical to the Spanish flu. He also found medical records indicating that more than 3,000 of the 25,000 Chinese Labour Corps workers who were transported across Canada en route to Europe starting in 1917 ended up in medical quarantine many with flu-like symptoms, unquote. But that's not all the story. There was an earlier outbreak that occurred in the United States. What is known about that outbreak? The following is from Wikipedia. In the United States, the disease was first observed in Haskell County, Kansas, in January 1918, prompting local doctor Loring Minor to warn the U.S. Public Health Service's academic journal on the 4th of March 1918, a company cook, Albert Gitchell, from Haskell County, reported sick at Fort Riley, 
an American military facility that the time at at the time was training American troops during World War One, making him the first recorded victim of the flu. Within days, 522 men at the camp had reported sick. By the 11th of March 1918, the virus had reached Queens, New York. Failure to take preventative measures in March, April were le- was later criticized, unquote. And the training center, that could explain how the disease got transmitted to the Western Front. But how did the disease get from China into the middle of the United States? A theory is that the virus actually originated at Fort Riley, again from Wikipedia. Quote, the origin of the Spanish flu pandemic and the relationship between the near simultaneous outbreaks in humans and swine have been controversial. One hypothesis is that the virus strain originated at Fort Riley, Kansas, in viruses in poultry and swine, which have fought bred for food. The soldiers were then sent from Fort Riley around the world where they spread the disease. Similarities between a reconstruction of the virus and avian viruses combined with a human pandemic preceding the first reports of influenza in swine led researchers to conclude the influenza influenza virus jumped directly from birds to humans and swine caught the disease from humans, unquote. Going back to the Black Death and other plagues, an early form of biological warfare was to catapult the dead bodies of victims of the plague into the enemy's castle to initiate an infection among the defenders. I have heard a conspiracy theory that the Spanish flu was created as a biological agent to help defeat the central powers, but there doesn't seem to be much in the way of supporting evidence. The available technology for that would have been primitive a century ago. However, the Spanish flu did kill off a disproportional disproportional number of younger individuals who might have been expected to have had had a lower mortality rate. Younger men fighting in the trenches were greatly affected by the disease. The flu comes around every year, usually with mornings in the fall or late fall. It was mentioned earlier that the H1N1, or the Spanish flu, returned in 2009. That was one interesting aspect of the Spanish flu. It it hit earlier in the year, in large numbers in the summer. It wasn't typical. When the H1N1 flu returned in 2009, with younger people under the age of 65 being also affected more. Wikipedia explains the status of the virus, quote, some strains of H1N1 are endemic in humans and cause a small fraction of all influenza-like illness and a small fraction of all seasonal influenza. The H1N1 strains caused a small percentage of all human flu infections in 2004-2005. Other strains of H1N1 are endemic in pigs, swine influenza, and birds, avian influenza. In June 2009, the World Health Organization, WHO, declared the new strain of swine origin H1N1 as pandemic. This novel virus spread worldwide and had caused 18,500 laboratory confirmed deaths with an estimated 151,700 to 575,400 deaths total by August of 2010. On August 10, 2010, the World Health Organization declared the H1N1 influenza pandemic pandemic over, saying worldwide flu activity had returned to typical seasonal patterns, unquote. It's interesting that the flu did strike in, in 2009, did strike in the summer, similar to the 1918 outbreak. 
Let's move on to the AIDS pandemic of the of the 1980s. I don't think it's just the 1980s. AIDS acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, the disease, or HIV, human immunodeficiency virus, the pathogen, is still pandemic. How many people have died from AIDS? The Very Well Health website provides some statistics from the World Health Organization. Quote, according to the WHO, 32 million people have died of HIV since the beginning of the epidemic out of 74.9 million who have been affected, roughly 43%. Moreover, of the 37.9 million people living with HIV today, just over 770,000 died in 2018. As all told, AIDS-related deaths have been reduced by more than 56% since its peak in 2004, unquote. Those are incredible numbers. 37.9 million is the population of a large country. Why don't we hear more about the pandemic, which is more often called the AIDS epidemic? I think the answer is that in developed countries, the numbers of people affected are much lower than those in underdeveloped countries. About two-thirds of the 38 million or so with the infection live in African countries. Several African countries have about a quarter or almost a quarter of their populations infected by the virus. So it is no longer a crisis in North America, in Europe, and as such doesn't make the news. But how did AIDS even start? According to the History Channel website, the disease originates in primates. Quote, scientists have traced the origin of HIV back to chimpanzees and simian immunodeficiency virus, SIV, an HIV-like virus that attacks the immune system of monkeys and apes. In 1999, researchers identified a strain of chimpanzee SIV called SIV-CPZ, which was nearly identical to HIV. Chimps, the scientists later discovered, hunt and eat two smaller species of monkeys, red-capped mangabes as greatest spot-nosed monkeys that carry and infect the chimps with two strains of SIV. These two strains lightly combined to form, to form SIV-CPZ, which can spread between chimpanzees and humans. SIV-CPZ lightly jumped to humans when hunters in Africa ate infected chimps or the chimps' infected blood got into the cuts or wounds of hunters. Researchers believe the first transmission of SIV to HIV in humans that then led to the global pandemic occurred in 1920 in Kinshasa, the capital and largest city in the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, unquote. It's interesting that the article uses the word pandemic. I wonder where the smaller species of monkeys got the disease from or whether it developed within their species but it took 60 years for the disease to affect the population in numbers large enough to make the news. The History Channel article describes that the spread of the disease, sorry, the History Channel article describes the spread of the disease to the United States. In the 1960s, HIV spread from Africa to Haiti and the Caribbean when Haitian professionals in the colonial Democratic Republic of Congo returned home. The virus then moved from the Caribbean to New York City around 1970 and then to San Francisco later in the decade. International travel from the United States helped the virus spread across the rest of the globe, unquote. 
What else is there to say except that around 38 million people globally have the viral infection, but that seems to be going unnoticed to the wealthier countries where medications appear to be mitigating the symptoms. There have been conspiracy theories on how the virus was created that go against the jump between chimpanzees and humans. Most well-known appear to be that the United States government created a virus that got out of a lab or that the AIDS virus is a legacy of the polio vaccination. Where did the virus created by the United States government scientists theory come from? The former Soviet Union from biologist Jacob Siegel, as Wikipedia describes, quote, Jacob Siegel, 17th of April 1911 to 30th of September 1995, was a Russian-born German biology professor at Humboldt University of Berlin in the former East Germany. He was one of the advocates of the conspiracy theory that HIV was created by the United States government at Fort Detrick, Maryland. After the fall of the Soviet Union, KGB defector Vasily Mitrokogin and two former members of East Germany secret police revealed that Siegel was a Soviet dis- disinformation agent who worked for the KGB, unquote. That seems to be a dubious source with an aim at the time to discredit the U.S., the disinformation campaign run by the Soviets was known as Operation Infection, with the word infection spelled with a K. I mention it because it seems to be a theory that has struck, but I think we have to, or stuck I should say, but I think we have to go to the break. Yes, we'll continue after the break and you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. 
All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. the break we were discussing the conspiracy theories behind hiv and where it came from how many people actually believe in hiv being created by scientists in a laboratory according to the very well health website a large number quote according to a 2013 study conducted by researchers at ucla nearly one in three americans aged 50 and older held an hiv conspiracy belief a figure which aligns closely to an earlier study in which one in three African-Americans believed that HIV was created in a government lab, unquote. UCLA is the University of California, Los Angeles. Is there a similar belief in the polio vaccine theory? I don't think so. I couldn't find any information from surveys, but there is a link to the development of the Sabin vaccine to primates in Africa. The Sabin vaccine contained weakened live virus and was administered orally. The following is from Wikipedia, quote, in the 1950s, before dangers inherent to the process were well controlled, seed stocks of vaccines were occasionally transported to distant regions. Then standard tissue culture methods were used to amplify the virus at local production facilities. Biological products, chiefly kidney cells for cultures and blood serum for media, were sometimes harvested from local primates and used in the production process if wild or captive populations of appropriate species were, un- were available. In South Africa, African green monkey tissue was used to amplify the Sabin vaccine. In French West Africa and Equatorial Africa, baboons, baboons were used to amplify a vaccine from the Pasteur Institute. In Poland, the CHAT vaccine was amplified using Asian macaques, unquote. There could have been somebody adding two and two and making five, but has the theory been investigated? According to Wikipedia, the journal Nature has described the hypothesis as refuted, suggesting consensus in the science, that the consensus in the scientific community is that the theory has no basis. 
It's time for the first question. Why can't viruses like the flu or the common cold be eradicated? Basically because they're very complicated. So they are something that has stood the test of time and they are so complicated it'd be very hard for human beings to fight it or destroy it. Why are the World Health Organization calling coronavirus an outbreak currently? Is it because incidents are localized or is it because the word pandemic would create more fear? Kind of a mixture of both. So it is not at the point where it's, it is spreading every single place yet. So it is not at the level of pandemic. Already there's enough fear, so they're trying to prevent excess fear when there is already a lot of fear. Is there anything you can say today about the coronavirus outbreak? Basically that people should be prepared, yes, but not to be very scared. Make sure to be aware of what is going on, wash their hands, etc., but not be fearful. Changing subject to the Black Death, why was the nursery rhyme, why has the nursery rhyme, Ring a Ring of Roses, survived for so long? Basically, since it's very catchy and it's passed down from one generation to the next. Does saying bless you arise from sneezing being a symptom of the Black Death? Yes. Did the Black Death arrive in Europe in October 1347 when 12 ships from the Black Sea docked at the Sicilian port of Messina? Yes. Why did it take five years for the Black Death to run its course in Europe? Because of the poor sanitation and living conditions. So it spread really easily and the conditions were an easy breeding ground for it to easily spread. Is it normal for infections to easily pass from humans to animals as it did for the Black Death? Was it because the pathogen was a, tip, was a type of bacteria rather than a virus? That's part of it, yes. Many diseases transfer from humans to animals, but they can't be as traced as easily. Humans to animals can also occur, but it is not as common. How can an infection be so vicious that it can kill almost a third of the population, but not so vicious that it kills the entire population? There are many people with natural immunity, so there are always people who are likely to survive because of how their body is. If different types of bacteria can be easily passed on to humans, why before the introduction of antibiotics haven't there been more plagues like the Black Death? There have been ones here and there, but for the most part, people lived farther away from each other, so there wasn't such a high population for it to destroy and basically live off of. So it was lucky that people survived and didn't get as sick. Why was the bacterium Yersinia pestis so deadly to humans and animals? It would stop at no cost. It was a bacteria that was, you could call it vicious, where it would try everything to survive and kill. How different is the bacterium responsible for the bubonic plague uh, that, that is viable today from the Yersinia pestis that is believed to be extinct? It's a likely situation, but something that would be very complicated to come from the original sample. For the population today, it could be easily quarantined and not spread. It's different in that it could be dealt with more easily, but is it similar? Yes, correct. Where in the world did the bacterium Yersinia pestis originate? It originated in the Middle East. So why was there an idea that it came from China? It traveled there. It originated in the Middle East and ended up traveling there to China. How did fleas become carriers of the bacteria? Again, seeing an opportunity and using it. You really, you really wouldn't call bacteria smart. 
but it basically uses anything and everything to its advantage. Why didn't the bacteria kill the fleas on the animals carrying them, including rats, or kill the flea-infested animals, especially rats? Basically, again, it knows how to make its life cycle longer, where its life cycle is long enough to live without killing something first. Did the Black Death kill fleas and rats? Yes. In the 6th century Black Death or Justinian Plague, were fleas living on animals, including rats, instrumental in infecting humans with the bacteria? Yes. Why did the Justinian Plague kill about half the world's population, whereas the 14th century Black Death killed about one-third of Europe's population? Again, it depends on how readily it spreads. So it depends on how many humans come in contact with each other. This really heightens the spread. So if quarantine can be done quick and effectively, it won't spread as quickly. How could the Byzantine Empire Justinian reconcile being so unreasonably harsh on the people he ruled over, especially with additional taxation during a pandemic, while at the same time promoting Christianity? That is what he believed in, so he did try and believe he was doing the right thing. Is there anything else you could say about the Black Death? It's possible for something like that to happen again, so it's important to catch diseases at an early point so people can be quarantined and the spread can be stopped as soon as possible. Changing subject to the Spanish flu, why was the H1N1 of 1918 so deadly? By how it was transmitted. What was so different about its transmission than, say, a normal type of flu? It was transmitted by any normal human-to-human contact, so it was able to spread very quickly and even live on surfaces longer than different other flus. Why has it not been possible for historical and epidemiological data to identify with certainty that the pandemic's geographic origin? Because it was so widespread, so there wasn't just one origin point, but many. Was the Spanish flu also transmitted from humans to animals? Yes. Was the transmission increased by the virus being transmitted back to humans from animals? Yes. Did the 96,000 Chinese laborers that worked behind French and British lines on the Western Front spread the virus from China to Europe? Yes, that could be so. Why were the central powers quickly affected? Was it the nature of the industrial scale fighting? That's correct, yes. Did China suffer a lower mortality rate from the Spanish flu than other nations? Did that arise from some immunity in the population following earlier exposure to the virus? That, and also a lot of people just got lucky. Got lucky they didn't get sick. Did more than 3,000 of the 25,000 Chinese Labour Corps workers who were transported across Canada en route to Europe starting in 1917 end up in in medical quarantine because of the Spanish flu? Yes. Did they help spread the flu to the Western Front? Yes, they did without knowing it. Was the January 1918 outbreak of a flu virus at Fort Riley the Spanish flu? That could be said, yes. Was there any connection between the breakout at Fort Riley and the 1917 quarantined Chinese laborers? No. Did the flu get transmitted from Fort Riley to the Western Front through troop movements? That was part of it, and even some civilians transmitted it. So how did the flu have an outbreak at Fort Riley when it is in the middle of the United States? 
And there are multiple original outbreak points. Does the virus originate from poultry and pigs bred for food uh, food in close proximity with humans? Yes. How are flu viruses created in animals like chickens and pigs? Basically, fairly similar to humans, there is a mutation of sorts where it creates a new strain, which travels to one animal to the next to the next. Again, going back to the concept that bacteria, virus, etc., have their own intelligence, where they have the instinct to survive and breed and spread, and they do this at any cost. Where was the most dominant origin of the Spanish flu? It was most dominant in the Asian countries. Don't think we've got time for one more question. I think we have to go into the break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. 
SimulTV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not so secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and psychic insight about pandemics. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Sure, Justina. In both 1918 and 2009, why was the H1N1 virus more deadly for younger people than older people? Basically, their immune systems were not exposed to anything similar before. So other people had the advantage of being exposed to something similar. In both 1918 and 2009, why did the H1N1 virus hit in the summer earlier than expected for the flu annually? The flu is very unpredictable, so there is a lot unknown about the time of the year, but also other factors. So it had nothing to do with the flu being programmed, but it was just something that happened? Correct. Because of that, besides advancements in public health and in medicine, was there any reason why the H1N1 virus or Spanish flu was far less deadly in 2009 than in 1918? Just better knowledge, you could say, so scientists knowing more about it and how to quarantine people, treat people, and even give life-saving measures so more people could be saved. So is there anything else you can say about the Spanish flu? Just not to be too concerned about the flu, even hand-washing, normal etiquette, you could call it. Covering your cough, throwing tissues away, normal stuff will really help. Even wiping down your surfaces. So typical hygiene will limit the spread. Changing subject to AIDS. Why wasn't the original spread of the disease called the AIDS pandemic 
rather than the AIDS epidemic, with 32 million deaths and around 38 million currently infected. Basically because of the fear. So for AIDS, the world epidemic was used to cut down on the fear in people. Pandemic creates fear, and for something as common as AIDS, they did not want this fear caused. Why does being from an undeveloped country make you less newsworthy? That's a complex question, but it goes back to what will sell headlines and make money for the companies. So a lot of news is trying to make as much money as possible. Does HIV have its origin in chimpanzees and the simian immune deficiency virus, SIV, that attacks the immune system of monkeys and apes? Yes. Is the SIV strain called SIV-CPZ in chimpanzees nearly identical to HIV? It's very similar, yes. Did SIV-CPZ arise from chimpanzees hunting and eating two smaller species of monkeys, which carried two strains of SIV that combined to form SIV-CPZ? That's correct, yes. Where did the smaller species of monkeys, the red-capped mangabays and the greater spot-nosed monkeys, get infected with the virus? They got infected by smaller animals, so smaller rodents infected them. Did SIV-CPZ jump to humans when hunters in Africa ate infected chimpanzees or the chimpanzees' infected blood got in the cuts and wounds of hunters? That was part of it, yes. Did the first transmission of SIV in chimpanzees to HIV in humans occur in 1920 in Kinshasa in the Republic of, Con of Congo? That was the first known case, but there were a few cases before that that were not fully reported. What happened to HIV between the 1920s and the 1960s and the following decades? Its numbers grew and became more resilient, so it became harder and harder to be treated and its mutations increased. Is there any truth in the conspiracy theory that HIV was created by the United States government in a laboratory? So there are many different things that can be created. Bacteria, viruses, etc. can be created in laboratories, but AIDS was not one of those to be created. Is that just a matter of Soviet disinformation sticking with a significant proportion of the population believing that a government-based conspiracy is true? Yes. Was the motivation of the Soviets with Operation Infection just to discredit the U.S. government, or was there more to it? It was more just to discredit the U.S. government. Even with some circumstantial evidence, including use of monkey biological material to develop the vaccine, is there any truth in the polio vaccine conspiracy theory? There is a portion of truth about how quickly it actually spread, but it was not man-made, no. Why doesn't the polio vaccine conspiracy theory uh, seem to be so well known? Since polio isn't something that people worry about much these days, so people worry about things such as the coronavirus. Why is the polio vaccine conspiracy theory so strongly refuted, including by the, including by the prestigious journal Nature? Since it's one of the original disputed man-made disease, so it started more conspiracy theories, especially ones that are more common today. Off subject, is there any truth in the belief that issues with early vaccines have led to the development of disease later in life, including cancer? There is some, is some connect, yes. Is there anything else you could say about AIDS or HIV? 
just that it needs to be talked about more instead of people being more fearful about it it needs to be talked about since it's something quite common and the stigma needs to be unassociated with it so there's a stigma that someone is unclean or they are doing things they shouldn't but for most cases this actually isn't true what useful purpose if any do pandemics have in forwarding the progress of mankind or that of the animal kingdom the unfortunate truth is that a lot of pandemics are following the natural course so the natural course of history and of humans is to selectively choose who lives and who dies obviously with more modern technology the natural selection is not as strong but it is choosing people with weaker immune systems the ones who can't fight it off dealing with more ill effects so unfortunately it's natural selection in a modern world is the purpose of pandemics in part a means of controlling the rising numbers of humans on the planet? That's another question within itself, where there's a high possibility that something could be unleashed into population control. So for the pandemics we discussed, that did not happen, but it's a possibility that could be used. Do harmful bacteria and viruses generally develop and strengthen human immunity to disease? They do, but again, some people are more unlucky than others. Some people are not just exposed to something similar or can't fight it off the same way. So it also depends on where you are and what stage you are exposed to it. So there are a lot of factors to if you can fight it off or not. Is there anything else you could say about pandemics? That it's important to follow basic hygiene, wash your hands, etc., but not to panic. Fear makes a way worse situation. But be aware, be aware of what is going on, of the numbers but also considering other types of deaths as well. There are numerous diseases that are not discussed. So discussing the flu, even other diseases such as cancer. So thinking about the possibilities, not just one disease. Also to add, there is nothing wrong with about having conspiracy theories about different diseases. But when you're having a discussion about the conspiracy theory, obviously doing this in a respectful way, listening to everyone's point. At one date and one time, there's a possibility there will be an outbreak that is man-made. That was the last answer. Is the apparent lack of conspiracies behind pandemics too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, that last answer was a little bit scary. Um, it seems it is a possibility that there could be a man-made uh, pathogen that causes a pandemic. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of fear associated with these different pandemics. And you're really seeing that now, even with the coronavirus, where people are getting fearful, they're leaping to conclusions that aren't true. And I think it's really important for different agencies to really inform the public and advise them what to do and what not to do. Yes, and we heard that, uh, I guess, approaches similar to the, the, the flu that you uh, wash your hands and uh, do the normal etiquette, it was said. Uh, I would urge anybody who's got coming down with any form of um, ailment to contact a licensed medical professional. We didn't have time to cover it, but apparently when the 1918 uh, swine flu hit, some doctor decided that aspirin was good for the patients and more aspirin was better than a little and pretty much poisoned the patients with aspirin. So uh, that was 100 years ago or more, but uh, just illustrates that... Uh, you have to be very careful in, in your treatment. Well, I also want to put the alert out there that if you're sick, do not go out in public, do not go to work, 
I know it's difficult. I know some people don't have that much time off. But at the end of the day, you're just making yourself feel worse going out and having to do your daily routine. And on top of that, you're putting others in danger. So stay home. I know it's hard to take a sick day. But in the end, it's probably worth it for not only you, but the people around you. Just going to give you some uh, trivia. The Sabin uh, vaccine for polio we mentioned, which is kind of ancient history. But when I took the vaccine, it was live virus on a sugar cube. And that was featured in the movie Mary Poppins with the song, A Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down. So uh, I guess I'm showing how old I am. Yes, I don't know if sugar cubes are exactly uh, the cure for many things these days, but at least it helps with the medicine. But I think that's another thing to note to mentioning Mary Poppins is just to make sure children are informed as well. It's very important, obviously, for everyone to wash their hands. But unfortunately, with a lot of these pandemics, it's the younger children who are greatly affected, those with health issues and the older population. I think I read somewhere that coronavirus was pretty gentle on the younger on the younger people, but uh, don't quote me on that. I'd have to double check that. Well, on that note, I'll mention our Facebook page at Too Good to Be True with the first two spelled T W O, and our Instagram page at T W O G T B T. We'd love for further suggestions and if you have any comments on today's show. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we still are taking applications for our interviews as well. So if you'd like to come on the show, be interviewed by us, just go ahead, submit your application at either our Instagram or our Facebook page. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to next week's show. Mm-hmm.